Rusty Quill presents. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series We Were the Lucky Ones with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is entry 3119 titled The Faceless Man, written by an exchange member going by the name Let's Split Up, and recorded by Cole Weavers. It was a friend who recommended to me to share my story here, on the exchange, where people will believe tales like yours. I do not know if he means you are especially gullible or that you are open-minded, but let us assume the latter. So, good open-minded people of the exchange, let me tell you what happened to my great-granddaughter. It began three weeks ago. We have a habit, little Celia and I, had a habit. During the summer, she stays with her grandparents, who live right up the lane. And so in the afternoon, she always comes over for milk and cookies while I have tea. And she tells me stories about her day. Most of these stories involved her stuffed animals. She is, was, a very imaginative child. Of course, a lot of her stories involve the characters on her iPad, too. She plays a game with animal people, all living in a little town, and they do things like go shopping, and plant gardens. She is very attentive to her video game garden and refuses to come out with me to tend the real garden with the strawberries that I grow for her. It's a shame how addicted the children are these days. 
She tried to teach me to play, but I just can't get the appeal. In any case, one day she was telling me a story about some characters, either from the game or her imagination, when she suddenly asked me if I'd ever met the Faceless Man. I assumed he was a character from her game. He sounds rather scary, I said. He is scary, she told me. I wish he would go away. I asked her more about this faceless man, but she did not seem inclined to discuss him. The next time he came up was when we were out for ice cream. As we stood in line, she suddenly peered quite hard at a tall man in a suit standing outside a nearby store. I asked her what was wrong, and then the man turned and pulled sunglasses over his eyes and her posture relaxed. She said, I thought he was the faceless man. Well, he appears to have a face, I said. Yes, she said, relieved. He's not the faceless man. Well, I asked her about this faceless man, who he is, when she sees him. She said that she mostly sees him near the park, or sometimes outside the window. I asked her what his face looked like, and she gave me a most irritable look like I had asked the stupidest question imaginable and said, He doesn't have one. That's why he's the faceless man. Well then, what does he have instead of a face? I asked. Is his head a pumpkin, like in Sleepy Hollow? In what? She asked, making me feel quite old and out of touch. I started explaining, but then she got impatient and looked it up on her little device and said, Oh, the pumpkin has a face, Grandpa Vern. The faceless man doesn't have any face, not a pumpkin or anything else. Well, he must have something, I said, trying to imagine. Is it just skin with no features? No. She was becoming quite cross. That would be almost like a doll with the face rubbed off or something. He's the faceless man because he has no face. So, what's where his face should be then? She made a frustrated sound in her throat. Maybe you should ask him yourself. Why don't you talk to him? Well, where do I find him? He's standing behind you. This sent chills down my spine. I turned and looked around, but there was no one. Absolutely no one. And little Celia had gone back to her game. She told me not to bother her. Well, I decided this faceless man was imaginary. Like so many of her made-up animal friends or her video game friends who became her make-believe companions during the four weeks of summer that she was stuck with us old people. I could not have been more deadly, tragically wrong. Celia wasn't sleeping well. Her grandparents were concerned. She seemed anxious, they said, and she never wanted to go outside or do much of anything except play on her iPad. They took it away and she threw a terrible tantrum. When they sent her over to me for the afternoon, she came storming and slammed the door and sat down without a word and began stuffing her face with the cookies I had ready for her. What's wrong? I asked. Grammy and Grandpa took my iPad, and now he won't leave me alone, she said. Who? The faceless man. I sat down opposite her and it suddenly occurred to me. This faceless man might just be a concoction used by her to get her way. Sort of like the dog ate my homework. She was blaming him for things in order to convince her grandparents to give her more screen time. Why won't he leave you alone without the iPad? I asked. 
She sighed in frustration. When I'm on the iPad, he doesn't bother talking to me because I'm busy. He doesn't like to be rude and interrupt. But if I'm not on the iPad, if I'm by myself walking outside or reading or doing almost anything else, he comes over and tries to get me to talk to him. And what does he say? He asks if I want to see his face. I thought you said he has no face. He doesn't. So how... I bit off the question, seeing as she was getting flustered. Then I said, Can I meet this faceless man? He doesn't like strangers. But you aren't a stranger? She shook her head vehemently, sat there breaking her cookie into crumbs, and then finally said, He says he picks people when they're born. So I can't see him. This seemed a convenient boogeyman for her to blame for all her ills. But she said, You can see him. He's in my photos. Not the close-up ones, but the crowd ones. He's in all of them. Even though this was surely a tall tale, her statement sent a peculiar chill up my spine. I was beginning to feel quite alarmed. So I asked her to show me the photographs. She told me to open Facebook. That is one of the apps I actually have. So I pulled up my account on my phone, pleased to be included in her little corner of social media, until she shot me down by telling me that she doesn't even have Facebook, that I would have to look at her mother's account because I don't have Snapchat or Insta or TikTok. Also, I couldn't see details on the little phone screen, so she had to help me find my password and log into my computer. She showed me some pictures from various albums taken by her parents and grandparents. Most were close-ups of her and family, but there was one wider shot of a park, the park just up the street, actually. And she pointed, her finger coming to rest on the screen, on a man in the background sitting on a bench with his back to us. His face obviously was not visible. He was wearing a suit. The next photo she found was of all the great-grandchildren at a water park for her cousin's birthday. She was on a slide, and in the background at the concession stand, his back to the camera, was a man in a suit. Same height, same hair color and style, same suit. An old-fashioned suit with pinstripes. How odd no one had ever noticed him before. Then she showed me another picture from Six Flags. She was playing carnival games, and behind her at one of the other games, throwing balls to attempt to knock down weighted jugs was the man in the suit. His back, as always, was to the camera. His face unseen. I was not convinced that he was actually faceless. Just that... She had never seen him except with his back turned. But the fact it appeared to be the same man in all these photos of her was very disconcerting. Who was he? Have you told your mom and dad? I asked. She shook her head quickly. They say I'm making it up. I don't think it's the same man. Well, looks like the same man to me, I frowned. How often do you see him? She went quiet for a long time, then finally whispered. Every day. Every day? I exclaimed. Where do you see him? He's looking in the window. I spun to look over my shoulder. There was no one at the window. But I swear, for just an instant, I thought I glimpsed motion. The flash of a figure. There and then gone.
I had a word with my children, of course, and my grandchildren, but none of them took much of what I had to say very seriously. I think they think that I'm going senile. Celia told me the faceless man can only be seen by the very young or the very old, and that when he's getting ready to take you, he becomes quite persistent, trying to talk to you all the time. She said that if I want to try talking to him for her, I should look for him in reflections. So I began. I watched the windows and mirrors. I watched the movement in puddles on the road after the rain. And just recently, last week when Celia came over, I saw him. Caught a glimpse in the spoon that was on the table between us. I didn't even register his reflection at first. Didn't even know it was him. Until he, until he shifted slightly and I looked and realized there was a figure there. I glanced up and he was gone. And when I looked at the reflection again, he wasn't there. But I got better at seeing him after that. He only appeared when my great-granddaughter was over in the afternoons. I took her for walks because it was easier to catch him that way. But it felt like I was running out of time. Celia was irritable all the time now. She barely spoke to me. Her parents told me they were going to take her home early from her month's stay with her grandparents and me. I hoped this meant that the faceless man would leave her alone. But I didn't know. So I was desperate to meet with him before she left. Three days ago, it finally happened. She was waiting in line for ice cream. I looked in a puddle and saw his reflection standing there next to me. I looked up, and there he was. In the flesh. He was watching her. His head turned so that I could not see his face, and only his pinstripe suit and polished shoes and gleaming oiled hair. Oh, I said, you're him. Do you want to see my face? He asked. His voice was strong, surprisingly clear, and even a little pleasant. Nothing ghostly or unusual about him at all. He must have been a perfectly ordinary man. An ordinary man who was stalking my great-granddaughter. I snorted at him and stepped closer. While I may be a very old man, I was at one time in the Navy and I still remembered how to throw a punch or take one if need be. And anyway, I was not worried about what might happen to me. So I grabbed his shoulder. Now you see here, I began. But when I turned him to face me, there was no face. Only the back of his head. No matter which way I looked at him, I was looking at the back of his head. I, I felt dizzy suddenly, as now I was facing the front of him, lapels, white shirt, necktie, and above the tie, his neck, the oil gloss of his hair. It was like an owl that had turned his head all the way around. Only his head didn't move. I gasped, stepping all around him. No matter where I stepped, though, it was the back of his head. He chuckled and asked in a higher-pitched giggle, Do you want to see my face? No, I said. No. He was laughing and my legs buckled. I, th I think I fainted. When I came to, Celia was beside me. So were staff from the ice cream shop, an ambulance... My children, her grandparents, arrived soon after. Everyone looked very concerned for me. But my biggest worry as the paramedics looked over me was that in the crowd among the shoppers, I could now see him just standing there, right outside the shop door. He 
His head turned, as always, away from me, even though his torso was now slightly facing towards me as if he were watching me. Celia's gaze followed mine as she gripped my hand and squeezed. What did you tell him? she asked. I told him no, I said to her. Celia's grandparents put her on a plane back to Vermont the very next day. Then her parents picked her up. She was glad to be reunited with them and told me over Messenger that she was happy to be home and felt very much better. Her messages were positive for a while. But then, just this morning, she sent me a message that was very frantic. It was not a very coherent message. She kept saying she made a mistake. I asked her what she meant. and She told me that the first time the faceless man spoke to her, he asked if he wanted to see her face. She said, sure, I guess. He giggled and told her soon. It was always the same question. And she'd learned the quickest and easiest way to send him away was to say, sure, I guess. And he would always giggle and say, soon. And then leave. But yesterday, apparently, he had told her tomorrow. And now he was coming, she said. He was coming, and her father was at work, and her mother had run a quick errand and she thought she would be safe with her iPad, but it wasn't enough. She was playing video games, but it wasn't enough to keep him away, and he was there. Video call me, I texted. And she did. But I barely caught a glimpse of her panicked, teary-eyed face before the call cut out. I rushed to call my granddaughter-in-law, to call my grandson. I told them it was an emergency, and they had to get home immediately, because Celia said there was an intruder. I did not say faceless man, as they would have assumed me delusional. Then I waited with bated breath. How hopeless I felt, all these thousands of miles away, what could I do? While I was waiting for a response, Celia messaged me. And my heart sank. My heart sank because I knew then my great-granddaughter was gone. That they would find no trace of her at all in the house or anywhere. I later asked my grandchildren if they checked the reflection, but they thought I was speaking nonsense. Why would they believe anything from a foolish, delusional old man who fainted the other day while getting ice cream? But I know where she is, and I know who's taken her. And while I don't know if I can ever save her, I will go and do my best. I'm old, and it doesn't matter if I die. Tiny Terrors is an anthology horror podcast produced by Pulp Audio and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. This episode was directed by Cole Weavers with sound production and editing by Mike Lebeau. To find additional information or to join our Patreon for additional content and ad-free episodes, visit our website, www.tinyterrorspod.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at tinyterrorspod. Or join the Pulp Audio Discord by clicking the link in the description below. Rate and review us on Spotify and Apple. And finally, thanks for listening.
Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.